Welcome to another episode of the Clip City Podcast. I'm your host, Jovan Buha, Clippers beat writer for The Athletic. And today I am joined by frequent podcast guest, Justin Russo, aka Fly By Night. Justin, how are you holding up right now with the world pretty much burning down um, everywhere? I'm currently the This Is Fine dog with the room of fire around him. Everything is great, except when I look outside. Yeah. Um, it's been kind of a recurring theme on, on the podcast to kind of start it with like a, a, a somber tone because that's kind of how the world is right now, um, really everywhere. Uh, but we hope that this can be you know, some type of distraction. Um, today's podcast will be a little bit different than other ones in that we are going to be switching to a shorter form. Um, the podcast moving forward will be about anywhere from like 20 to 25 minutes, um, but they will probably be moving to twice a week. So should end up being close to about the, the normal podcast length overall, uh, just split into two episodes. So today, Justin and I are going to try to do something that we've never done before, which is have a short podcast. Uh, normally, we go for like an hour and a half. Um, so today, it'll be about 20 to 25 minutes. Um, so the, the question I wanted to pose to you, which I think is, you know, health aside, of, of course, you know, health and health now includes Corona and, and you know, staying positive and um, not, you know, t- or I mean, well, not testing positive for it, uh, but but staying negative, I guess. Uh, and, and you know, guys remaining healthy, you know, not getting injured, not testing positive for Corona. Um, so that aside, which is going to be a storyline for every team, and then on top of it, now, you know, whether players are even playing, which has yet to still be decided, and, and is going to probably be a player by player basis. So, assuming the Clippers are healthy, and you know, no one has Corona and all, you know, 15 guys are playing. Uh, I think the most interesting storyline, which is something we have talked about ad nauseum all season long, uh, you know, starting in the preseason, you know, until now is the closing lineup um, with this team. And I think honestly, it's, it's just been even more interesting to watch them throughout the season. Like I kind of thought that, watching them play, you'd get the answer or or kind of have an idea. And I do have a slight idea, but I'm still kind of like, you know, five, six months later, or it's been even longer now, um, eight months later, nine months later, it's like, I still don't know what the best five-man lineup is for this team to close games. Like say it's game seven against the Lakers. There's eight minutes left. It's a three-point game and the Clippers need to go out and win those eight minutes um, I think uh, we have an idea of two of the guys, uh, and, and maybe even a third, but I, I don't know what the other two guys look like. And I really think this team can make a case. There's 10 guys that could be closing games. Uh, real, realistically, I think six or seven, if you really want to kind of boil it down to what I think doc will consider, but that, that is a lot. And, and that, you know, some teams have like three guys that should be closing games. So the, the Clippers do have an embarrassment of riches, but it's going to matter. And I, I do think that the one thing that could potentially result in this team losing early in the playoffs or, or losing at all, aside from injuries or, or key players not playing, would be 
the wrong lineup closing a game and, and that lineup either not producing enough offense or, or not producing enough defense. And um, so just to open up this conversation, I think we, we're in agreement here. Kawhi and PG are the, the two locks. They are the two all-stars, the two all-NBA guys. Um, when healthy, you know, the two MVP caliber you know, players. Uh, but from that point on, looking at, you know, spots three, four, and five in the closing lineup, where do you start? What, you know, where's your head at? And um, who, who would you kind of favor as of right now? So it's weird, right? Because, you know, outside of Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, you have all these interchangeable pieces where you're able, like they're very malleable. The team's very malleable. They're able to play all these guys at so many different positions. You know, I mean, last year in the postseason, we saw Patrick Beverly effectively playing power forward against Kevin Durant at times. Obviously, Kevin Durant still got his because this is going to stun some people. Kevin Durant's really good at basketball. So, you know, they have all these guys that can play different positions and they can fit in certain places. And the Clippers have kind of done some things where like they've played Marcus Morris senior at the three they've um, for a very small amount of time, they had Montrose Harrell and Evita Zubas on the floor together. So they have all these lineup machinations that they can go to, but Kawhi Leonard and Paul George are obviously your de facto. Like those are your two studs. Those are your workhorses. You have to ride with them down the stretch of every game beyond that. Personally, if there is a third lock, I think it's Patrick Beverly. And the reason being He's been very good to say that again. I'm with you. No, I I was going to make that point. So we're we're in agreement there. Yeah, he's been very good defensively this year. I don't think he's been like top five defender in the league. Good, but he's been very good defensively. Um, He's their third most important player. I'm not saying there's a third best player, but in terms of being conducive to team success on the court and what he brings on both ends as a defensive um, hound dog and as a knockdown three-point shooter, and, and his floater game has been very good this year, Patrick Beverly to me is the third guy. He is the man that has to be there because, A, he's not a, a prototypical lead ball handler, so he's not going to soak away possessions from both George and Leonard, but he is such a reliable three-point shooter that he can be relied upon to knock down the open threes that he will get. Um, We've seen him do this. Uh, He did it in the Boston game in Los Angeles, where he was basically probably the biggest reason they even won the game because he always competes on the glass. He's always hustling defensively. He's always in the right spot uh, offensively, like to knock down threes. So Beverly to me is the third guy, but beyond that, it's a very interesting discussion. Yeah, and I, I think the elephant in the room. Well, to, to, to add to your Pat Bev point quickly, I, I do think that he's he's the third guy. I think if you just look at the lineup data, um, Pat rates well in five man lineups, three man lineups, two man lineups. Like Pat is the common denominator. Um, he does have the, I believe, third best net rating. Are you still wearing polo blue from your high school girlfriend? Are you walking into Sephora to get cologne and being overwhelmed by all the choices? Or do you wear Old Spice and girls think you smell like their dads? Look, smelling good is important. And Hawthorne smells really good. Getting Hawthorne cologne is so easy. Take a quick two-minute quiz and Hawthorne tells you the two colognes that are best for you. One for work and one for play. And it's totally risk-free with free shipping and free returns. Check out Hawthorne at hawthorne.co. That's Hawthorne with an E and .co, not .com. Hawthorne.co 
and use my promo code ATHLETIC to get 10% off your first purchase. That's Hawthorne.co and use my promo code ATHLETIC to get 10% off your first purchase. Hawthorne.co. So quickly to to go into some of the net ratings, and, and this is the on-off summary. So this isn't just the on-court net rating. This is actually the difference between when you're on the court and, and when you're off. Marcus Morris leads the team with plus 11.5. That's a very small sample size, uh, you know, just kind of that last month uh, of being a Clipper. Then you got Pat at plus six, Zoo at plus 2.5, Reggie Jackson at plus 0.5, which uh, again, small sample. Trez at plus 0.3. And then you get into the negatives with Jermichael at minus 1.6, Landry at minus 2.6, and Lou at minus 3.5. So Pat rates incredibly well. I think if you look at his skill set, um, his ability to handle the ball in secondary playmaking actions, um, his ability to switch defensively, defend multiple positions, really is the only other Clipper perimeter guy you can say that about when looking at Landry and, and Reggie and Lou, um, you know, by far the best defender of that group. So I, I do think like he, he to me, like if you're saying the Clippers have a big three, honestly, I would put Pat as the third guy uh, ahead of Trez, ahead of Lou. That to me is kind of their big three. So I'm with you. Like, I think really any conversation we're having right now is like, who are the final two slots? Um, I think looking at it, you got to go with a big. So I, I would say you got to go with like Trez or Zoo or Jamichael. And, and, and maybe you could go Marcus and go super small, but I would probably go with one of those three. And then that fourth spot is, you know, probably Lou or Marcus or or Landry. And that's kind of how I, I look at it. For me, we've had this discussion, again, multiple times on this podcast. Like, I just don't think you can play Lou in the – like, I think you could do it in the first round against Dallas and maybe in the second round against, like, Houston or Denver. You can get away with it, uh, you know, depending on how the, the seedings break down. But – when it comes to conference finals, Lakers, um, finals, you know, Bucks or, or Celtics or Raptors, whoever they're playing, like, I do think at the highest levels, you probably have to bench Lou Williams. And it's reflected in his on off, you know, minus 3.5 net rating. The team is three and a half points worse with him on the floor per 100 possessions. It's reflected in losses to the Lakers, Celtics, and Sixers, where all three offenses picked apart Lou in, in particular late in close games. Um, and it's reflected, I think, in him being slightly marginalized in the offense when Kawhi Leonard and Paul George are healthy and have the ball and, and are running pick and rolls and are basically relegating Lou to the weak side as a glorified spot-up shooter or you know weak side attack guy. Like, I, I think – and it's also, I think, reflected in he has quietly struggled in the second half of the season. You know, he, he's been averaging – fewer points, fewer minutes, uh, his field goal percentage has fallen off a cliff. Um, you know, he's, he's actually been a pretty solid three-point shooter this season um, and, and really kind of on par with, with guys like Landry and Pat. But I, I just think overall, if I am going with a guard that's not Pat, I probably would look towards Landry, who is a much – I'm not even going to say Landry's a good defender because I, I wouldn't say that, but he's a much better defender than Lou, which just kind of speaks to how bad Lou is defensively. And then offensively is, you know, a elite three-point shooter, guy who can move without the ball, has gravity. Um, so I think 
looking at it, I think we're in agreement here. Like it's Lou, I mean, it's it's Pat and Kawhi and PG. The final two spots to me are, are, are open, but I would not feel great about putting Lou in that personally uh, if, if we're talking about the Lakers or, or the Bucks. Lou got picked apart in that Lake, the last Lakers game. The third Lakers game, Lou got pretty much ripped apart by the Lakers and by LeBron because all they did is just run Lou into every action in the final about five or six minutes of that game. So I'm not going to just, I'm not just holding that game against him. I'm, I'm really not. It's, it's a night in, night out thing for me. And having seen every game this year and seen, like, he's even regressed defensively from last season, which is ridiculous to actually think about. So for me personally, you also have to look at it from a common sense point of view. If Lou Williams is on the floor, he will soak up possessions from Kawhi and from PG. And you kind of don't need that because Kawhi and PG are so good, especially in isolation settings, especially as also pick and roll ball handlers, uh, each one of them, that you kind of don't need Lou to do that. So then that kind of that kind of pushes Lou into more of like a catch and shoot role where he's been really good this year. However, He's not a better catch-and-shoot three-point shooter than Landry Shamit, And even if you were to say he's the same caliber of catch-and-shoot guy as Marcus Morris Sr., you'd rather have the bigger man in Marcus Morris just because of the size, the physicality, and also Morris can get his own shot in the half court as well. Now, do I agree with every shot that Marcus Morris Sr. gets in the half court? No, but he's able to also generate his own shot. The only thing I would say that Lou would give that closing lineup is the ability to get to the basket. Like he does drive to the lane a lot more, but I'd rather have Marcus Morris. And I think if you are to look at it in terms of just breaking the little things down, I think this is more of a Marcus Morris senior versus Lou Williams issue than anything else. So I think I'd rather have Morris on the floor because he's a better perimeter defender. He's a better interior defender. He's not the same caliber of a shot creator in the half court, but he isn't so much worse that he takes away from anything, especially when you talk about Paul George and Kawhi Leonard having the ball so much. So I kind of think for me personally, the fourth guy should be Marcus Morris senior. And in that instance, the fifth guy is probably going to be another big. And I think it's just going to be Montrez Harrell because Doc loves Montrez and I understand it. He also gives you a prototypical role man. And because of that, it helps alleviate some of the burden that like if Montrez sets a screen, it's going to be really hard to trap Kawhi and PG because they can outlet to him. Uh, and then he could short roll pass to someone in the corner or you know, uh, if they if they trap Kawhi or PG on the pick and roll and and uh, Montrez slips and there's a defender already in the lane, they can just kick out to someone else for three. We've seen them do that time and time this time and time again this year, especially Kawhi. He's been excellent at it. So I think that should be the five Beverly, George, Kawhi, Morris, Montrez, Harrell. And I think that's just what they're going to have to roll with because it's a little bit bigger. It's a little bit tougher and. I think it's probably the best of both worlds on each end of the court. If you were to guess on average, how many days people in the U.S. have to wait to see a doctor, what would you say? A week, maybe? Actually, on average, people have to wait around 29 days to see a doctor in major U.S. cities. Basically a month. If you're dealing with a condition like erectile dysfunction, you want treatment ASAP. That's why our friends at Roman have spent years building a digital platform that can connect you with a doctor licensed in your state 
all from the comfort of your home. Roman makes it convenient to get the treatment you need on your schedule. Just grab your phone or computer, complete a free online visit, and you'll hear back from a U.S. licensed physician within 24 hours. And if the doctor decides the treatment is right for you, Roman's Pharmacy can ship your medication to you with free two-day shipping. You also get free unlimited follow-ups with your doctor anytime you have a question or want to adjust your treatment plan. With Roman, there are no commitments and you can cancel anytime. So if you're struggling with ED, go to GetRoman.com slash Clippers for a free online visit and free two-day shipping. That's GetRoman.com slash Clippers for a free online visit and free two-day shipping. That, that's kind of what I, I, the conclusion I came to too. Um, I do think that depending on the opponent, you can go with Jamichael or Zoo at the five. Like I, I do think if they're playing maybe Utah or Denver, you might want Zoo to match up with Jokic or Gobert. Um, if you are playing like Houston, we, we, we saw the Clippers go big and, and stay big against Houston and, and really hurt them inside. But, you know, maybe Houston adjusts and and is, you know, packing the paint, even though you know, everyone's like 6'5", six, 6'6". Six, six. Um, and maybe they can find an effective strategy to kind of combat the Clippers bigs. And that's where you can go to like Jermichael Green, who can drain threes and then do a reasonable job hanging with at least like a PJ Tucker or a Robert Covington, um, you know, defensively and, and is not really going to get burned by like those guys. So I, I do think that the Clippers have options. I, I think though, when it comes down to it, like it, it just, Lou doesn't make sense to me. And I think Doc finally, like Doc finally realized that kind of in the Laker game and you saw him starting to do more offense defense. And he's done this in the past, you know, the past two seasons, it's tough because Lou, I think Lou, as much as anyone else on this team, other than Kawhi or, or PG has that kind of cachet. He he's been the leading scorer on this team. Um, you know, he was the leading scorer after Blake Griffin left. He was the leading scorer, um, you know, most of last season and, and especially after they traded Tobias. Like he, he's been so important offensively for this team, you know, three times six man of the year guy. And like everybody loves him and he's one of the coolest dudes in the league. Like his Q rating is through the roof, but it is a legitimate problem. Like there is no hiding spot for him. And it's not just like he's a bad defender. He's in the conversation for worst defender in the league. And, you know, he is capable of he, like one of the good things he's actually good at defensively or, or can be good at is he's kind of a, like because he sometimes seems a little lazy or just like not interested. He can, you know, sneak into passing lanes or like, you know, someone will be on the wing. They'll pop out or, or try to post him up and he'll sneak around and like, you know, deflect or steal the entry pass. And, and he can be good at that. But aside from that, not good at navigating screens on or off the ball. Um, really don't want him switched onto any, anybody. And, and one of the things that kind of bothers me with him is like he's also one of these guys that, um, at least if you're at a size disadvantage, I think like you got to be willing to take fouls sometimes and like hammer a guy. But whether it's just because of his frame or, you know, just I don't, I'm not really sure, he'll like let, you know, if a guy gets by him or something or he's the last line of defense he'll just let them get the layup or dunk where like, I do think there are smaller guys in the league who will just go hammer the guy or, or take a foul. But Lou, Lou very much is like kind of the matador defense of once you're by me, you're by me. And, and that's kind of it. And I think unless he's just absolutely rolling and having one of his Lou, like, you know, 35, 40 point nights, I, I think offensively it just doesn't, you know, he doesn't bring enough offensively, especially with a healthy Kawhi and PG 
to negate his defense. And you saw it in, in the Laker game, LeBron calling lose man up to screen. Uh, the Clippers tried doing some pre uh, switching where they, you know, they'd have the, the closest man switch with Lou immediately to have that guy into the action. Uh, but you, you saw it in, in the Philly game where Josh Richardson got two offensive rebounds late in that game because Lou didn't box him out. Um, you saw it in the Boston game where, where Jason Tatum was calling Lou's man into the action. And um, I just think the best offenses don't have a hiding spot. And, you know, these coaches have, have, have schemed it well, planned it well. And uh, I, I just think, you know, I, I would I would just say I, I'm almost OK with any option that doesn't include Lou, like whether it's Zoo and Marcus or or Jermichael and, and Marcus or Jermichael and Trez or, or Marcus and Trez, like. I think you can make a reasonable case for any of those. I just I, I think the the Lou case to me, like that's really the only way I could see this team going down is like they, they have to play Lou because of seniority, because of his status, because of whatever. And they play him against the Bucks, they play him against the Lakers, and those teams just exploit him because I, I just don't see I mean the Lakers perimeter guys aren't great, obviously aside from LeBron. Um so like in theory you can hide him, but I just think LeBron and, and AD cause so much pressure on your defense to rotate, especially when they're running pick and rolls, when they're, when they're posting up LeBron. Like, it's just tough. And I don't see a great place for, for Lou to kind of hide. You, you made mention of something that's very prevalent, basically is the overarching point that we cannot overlook with the Los Angeles Clippers for closing lineups. They have so many options of guys that – I also think that makes it a priority, in my opinion, to not basically play Lou as much down the stretch of games because teams will take advantage of him defensively. He is not a superior offensive weapon than Paul George or Kawhi Leonard. So, yes, it's awesome to have three of these, you know, tremendous offensive talents in the closing lineup. But also there might be a thing of too much when you start talking about what that means for the defensive aspect of the game, which he will take away from for the Clippers. So I love Lou Williams. I love what he's done as a Clipper. I think he's an awesome player. I love watching him. I just don't think he belongs in closing lineups because of how much teams will try to exploit him on the other end. And there's nothing he can do on the offensive end, in my opinion, especially late in games with Kawhi and PG on the floor that will take away from what happens to him defensively when the other team has the ball. So I think Lou just ha- kind of has to be rooted to the bench. And I kind of think you just got to go with who brought you. Like, you know, it's going to be Kawhi and PG. Pat's going to have to be in there be- because of what he can do on both ends. And then you just got to start finding the guys who can do things on both ends of the floor and at least play offense at an above average level. So you talk about Mike- Marcus Morris senior, you're talking Montrez Harrell, and they're not going to kill you defensively for the most part. So there's greater leeway with them. Like, like wings and bigs have greater leeway than guards when they're bad defensively. Like, you know what I mean? So like Lou being not good defensively kills the Clippers more, especially at the point of attack than it would if Marcus Morris senior was a bad defender, which he's not, he's actually a quality defender. So I kind of think that's why Lou, in my opinion, shouldn't be part of the, you know, closing lineup, but it is doc rivers and doc loves Lou. And I get why he loves Lou. So, this might all be for naught at the end of the day. I mean, yeah, like I, I think so to, to look at some lineup data quickly, um, you got Lou. So we're, we're saying 
Kawhi and PG have a plus 11.6 net rating in 760 minutes. The, the Clippers are 24 and 8 when, when those two play. So, again, we know that's the foundation. You're building around that. And the great thing about those two together is you can go, you know, almost any combination with, with them in, in terms of position. Like they can be a five and a four, they can be a one and a two. They obviously can be a two and a three, which is what they've started as, but they could also be a three and a four and you go a little bit smaller. So, like, you can really, I mean, again, like, this is a good problem to have. Like, you know, th- th- again, there are some teams that don't like, like, if I'm the Lakers, I think this is a completely different conversation of like, I have no idea how the hell to build a closing lineup. Um, like, you have a bunch of subpar options. And I think LeBron and AD are so great that they probably, uh, you know, make up for that. But it is like, you know, do you go small around AD? Do, do you go big and stay with the center? Like, who are the, you know, is it Danny Green? Is it KCP? And not not to go off track with the Lakers stuff, but I, I think like this just shows like the Clippers have, I mean, again, Reggie Jackson has shot the lights out, has played really, really well. Like if he continues at this, which I'm skeptical of, he has a case to close games. Like Landry was a starter on last season's team, hit one of the biggest shots in Clippers history uh, to, to win game two against the Warriors and is still one of the best shooters in the league. Like he definitely has a case, I think, to be to be closing games. Uh, Zoo, as uh, you know, John Hollinger wrote today on The Athletic, is one of the best value contracts in the league and has quietly become one of the better bigs in the league at just 22. So, like, I, we barely talked about those three, but, like, this team has a a, a depth of, of riches and, and just versatility that they can go to that, you know, the, the benefit to this is, like, if a guy is having an off night or in foul trouble, you can go in a bunch of different ways, but... Um, you know, Lou Trez and Jermichael plus 6.2 net rating. That's good. Lou Trez and Sham plus 2.9. Uh, this one's very interesting. Lou Pat and Trez, which I think is going to probably be the closing lineup plus 12.3. So you, you put that with, with Kawhi and PG, um, you know, you, you got close to, you probably got a double digit net rating right there. Um, and, and on and on. So I, I do think like if we're being right now, we're having a, a conversation of what should happen. I think what's going to happen is it's probably going to be Trez, Pat, and Lou, uh, with maybe Marcus replacing Lou at times, um, or, or Pat. You know, I, I could also see him replacing Pat. I, I just think the Clippers have to be careful with the Lou situation because this has become a thing. I, I think you know the national media caught up to it after the Lakers game, but it really was the, the Sixers and the Celtics games. That that really cemented it for me, where it was like he just can't play at the end of at the end of these games. Like you know, guys like Josh Richardson and, and Marcus Smart are burning the Clippers because of Lou Williams, and you, you just can't have that. Like because on top of the defense, he's not going to box out, he's not going to rebound. Like if you have an active wing or guard, they can crash the offensive glass against him. Um, I, I just think putting that aside, like I'm, I'm with you though. I, I think it's probably Trez and and, and Marcus. Um, I do think Jermichael, if he's shooting the ball well, ha- has some appeal as either a small ball five or, or as a four against Trez. You know, those two have really good synergy. Um, but I-, I would probably go that direction. I do think, though, Zoo probably also deserves a shot against the bigger guys. Like, I think when you're playing Gobert, I want Zoo out there. I don't want Trez, who has struggled against Gobert because of the eight, nine inch gap and, um, you know, probably won't. I don't think is as effective offensively against Gobert as he is against most other centers. So I really think it is going to be a case by case basis, but I, I think 
the things we've learned, in my opinion, are you know Kawhi and PG are locks. Pat probably should be the the third lock, and I'm I'm not very confident in in Lou's ability at the highest levels. I'm talking conference finals, finals to be out there. You know, I'm just going to leave it with this: Patrick Beverly, Paul George, Kawhi Leonard. When they're on the when they've played in the same game together, 26 games. The Clippers are 21 and five. That's a 66 win pace. Those are your three guys that are going to be at the end of games. In my opinion, outside of that, you got all these moving pieces and working parts that can fit in around them. You know, you mentioned Zubots for matchups against Gobert and Jokic. You're absolutely right. That's, that's a matchup he should play in. I also think Montres Harrell is better in certain other situations. Maybe he's better against Houston. Maybe Zubots is, I don't know. You know, it's it's an unprecedented time in many ways because this has given the Clippers so much more time to think about what to do. And yet everything always comes down to feeling. What do you feel about something? So in the moment, maybe Doc Rivers feels a certain way that we don't feel and maybe vice versa. And who knows? Like it might work. It might not. But I will say this. There is such a collection of options here for the Clippers that I can actually make rational arguments for each one of them getting closing minutes times. So it's it's really interesting for me from that perspective of they could throw pretty much anyone out there on their roster, save a couple guys, and I'm just going to be like, yeah, that makes sense for this situation. So it's going to be something that when you peel back the layers and the basketball eventually resumes and, you know, we get into the postseason and all this stuff, like it's going to be one of those things, you know, knock on wood, there's no injuries to the Clippers or no, no one tests positive for COVID-19 that it's just one of those scenarios where if you would have told me two years ago, the Clippers have all these options for a closing lineup, I would have thought you were crazy because two years ago, their closing lineup three years ago, four years ago, even dating back to Lob City, their closing lineup was pretty much set in stone. And now we don't know outside of two or three guys. And I think in a way it kind of makes it exciting. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. Um, I think I'll, I'll, I'll close it with this. Uh, Doc did say, you know, we, we talked to him a couple of months ago uh, during quarantine and I asked him, because you know, he was talking about going back, reviewing the season and, and looking over things. And I was like, what is one thing that you learn or, you know, multi- one thing, multiple things that you've learned about the team that you didn't necessarily have the perspective on while you were going through the season. And now that you've had a chance to go back and, and talk with your coaches and, and review film and rewatch games and um, just kind of have that kind of 360 degree angle on everything. What have you learned? And he said he wished the team went smaller more. Uh, so for for the Zubots fans out there, I know that, that you know a lot of Clipper Nation is, is Team Zubots. Um, I don't think that bodes well for Zoo, uh, but it, it does kind of you know we had heard the Clippers had a lot of success last season going with Jamichael at the five, particularly in the playoffs against Golden State. Um, you know he was very impressive in that series. Uh, you know, I think you could make the case was arguably their third best player in, in the series or, or third or fourth. And I think moving forward, you could see Jamichael at the five, uh, Marcus at the five, 
even Kawhi or PG at the five. And I, I think that is going to be something that this team leans on. Cause obviously him saying going small, like Trez, Trez is a center. So I don't consider, I mean, even though he is smaller, I don't consider Trez at the five going smaller. I think what he's saying is, is a, you know, one of the fours or, or the threes moving up. So that's something I look forward to, or, you know, just kind of monitor moving forward. Um, but we're at the 30 minute mark. So this is the, the end of our new, uh, a new shorter form podcast. Um, I'm impressed with our ability to be concise. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Justin, where can, uh, where can people find you on Twitter and Instagram? You can find me at, at flybynight. That is F L Y B Y K N I T E. I do have a Patreon, but I paused all payments for people because I'm not putting out content at the same uh, regular rate. So no one's getting charged. You can find that at patreon.com slash flybynight. So whenever the season resumes, you'll get a lot more content out of me. based on how the broadcast stuff goes. So we'll see how that goes. But uh, yeah, so, you know, everyone stay safe. I want to say that everyone stay safe and take care of your family members because that's what's truly important right now. You also have a podcast, Clip and Roll. I do. I have a, a wow, I just blanked on that. I don't know how I could do that. Uh, I have a podcast on the Blue Wire Network, uh, Clip and Roll, like, share, subscribe, all that fun stuff. You can check us out. Um you know, we drop a podcast about once a week. So if you're into that, it's about 35, 45 minutes long. So stop by, listen, we don't always talk about basketball. So if you're into other stuff, swing on by and we'll try to hook you up. So yes, as always, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Jovan Buha, J-O-V-A-N-B-U-H-A. If you have an idea on your favorite closing lineup, uh, be sure to tag us on Twitter. Let us know what you think. Um, let us know who you'd put uh, alongside Kawhi and PG. Um, and yeah, I, I echo everything Justin said. Uh, everybody stay safe, uh, stay stay healthy, quarantine, social distance. I mean, I guess adhere to the guidelines in, in your city and state, but um, you know, it, this is an unprecedented time and I just hope everybody um, can, can get through this and uh, you know, we'll see. Uh, but potentially basketball is, is on the horizon. Uh, you know, this is all still hypothetical until it's official, but, um, you know, maybe we'll have something to talk about in a month and a half. Uh, so as always, thank you. And I will talk to you later in the week.